Well, I want to thank you for being here today. Uh, this morning, I'd like to bring you a message, and I don't know when the last time heard, I've heard a message preached on this. But I got to doing some studying and looking, and but I've entitled this message, What Can We Learn from Judas? Now, we all know Judas. We know who he was. We know what happened to him. You know, even the Bible tells us what took place, what happened to Judas. And it was so subtle that I think that it happened to Judas before he really understood that it was happening. And this is what can happen to us, the way Satan works in the human lives. He don't just come and tell you, you just need to reject God. No, it's very subtle. It's very slowly. It's kind of like I read about a story where there was this dog and he was on a long chain. Each day, they would take and remove a link from that chain. And before you knew it, before that dog realized it, he was down to two links. He couldn't even move. He never realized that they was what they was doing to him. That's what Satan is doing to us. It's not all at one time. It's very subtle, it's very slow, that sometimes it happens to us and we don't even realize that it's happening. And sometimes when we finally see it and figure it out, it's a struggle to try to get back where you were. Judas didn't make it. Judas didn't make it. We all know what happened to Judas. And Jesus chose Judas as one of his disciples. But Judas failed miserably because everything was about Judas, what Judas wanted, and nothing about God. Even sometimes church members will fool you. They look awful good sitting in the pew, but out of that pew, they're totally different people. When we come to God, whether you realize it or not, you've accepted Jesus Christ, you have made a commitment. You've made a commitment to God that you're going to walk with Him, you're going to follow Him. You're not going to let the devil enter in. But you know, every little opportunity that arises in our life, Satan will step in. He looks for that opportunity. And that's what he did to Judas. And... Uh, but I just wanted to bring this to because some of these things here we don't think about. And we need to be aware of the schemes and the tricks that Satan has and what he does and how he, how he performs it. And like I say, it's so subtle and so slow that many times we don't even realize it's happening until it's happening. Here in James 1.8, it tells us that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Well, this is a really good description of Judas. He was double-minded, and in the end, the faith that he once professed and claimed that he had, he abandoned completely. You've probably all known people. I know some. And I still love them, and I still talk to them. I still try to invite them back to church and everything. But you all know people that have been in your church, 
were very faithful, and then all of a sudden, it just seemed like they'd be gone a Sunday, then they'd be back, then they'd be gone two Sundays, then they'd be back, then maybe they was gone three Sundays, maybe show back up, and all of a sudden you didn't see them no more at all. Why? They left the door open for Satan to enter. And I'm going to tell you what that door is in a minute. And we're all probably guilty of it. We've all probably done it. But the moment we realize this, we need to slam that door shut where Satan cannot enter in to get to us. And I think we've overlooked some things or we don't think about what happened to Judas. Well, first of all, like I said, Judas made a commitment. He made a commitment to Jesus. And there was no reason to think that Jesus was not sincere in his faith when he made that commitment. He probably did a great job starting out. That's the way it usually works. When you first start out, you're trying. You're trying to do a good job. But and just like the rest of the disciples, Judas had left everything he had to follow Jesus. You know, all the disciples left their families. They left everything to follow Jesus. You've got to think about it. Judas did the same thing. He followed the disciples. He left everything to follow Jesus. And Judas had been actively involved in Jesus' ministry. And do y'all realize that he had been given some remarkable spiritual gifts? Judas had been given some great spiritual gifts when he was working with Jesus. As a matter of fact, here in Luke 9, 1, listen to what it says. <clears throat> Jesus called the 12 disciples together. Now, you have to remember, Jesus was one of these disciples and gave them power and authority over all the demons, the power to cure diseases, and then he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God to the people. He sent them out. You tell them about God. If they're going through something, I've given you the power to heal them. I've given you the power to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to people. They had this power to use as they went out into the world. And so just think about something about Judas. As we read this a while ago, actually it said that, Jesus, that Judas was a preacher of the gospel. He preached the gospel to people. He'd been given a special gift of healing. He had authority, and he used it to cast out demons. Our involvement in ministry, it's a good thing to have, and we need to have an involvement. But it does not prove our true spiritual work. Many times people do not see the inside of us. Once we leave church, we're out in the world, we're going about our daily routines, our daily jobs, that we are not seen as what we do when we leave church. I know that I had several jobs, and I mean, I love the Lord Jesus Christ. I had accepted him as my Lord and Savior. But I had, I, had, I had several jobs that I had to be out in the world because of these jobs. I worked for Coors Beer Company for 15 years, going into the beer joints, taking beer, to the grocery stores and everything. I mean, I saw things in some of these bars that you could not believe. 
I worked for a vending company, and I had to go into all the bars. I serviced the pool tables, the jukeboxes, the games, and all that kind of stuff. And some of the places I had to go in, you would not believe. Most of everything I had on my route was these topless bars and all that kind of stuff. And it just sort of, and, and, and a lot of times I'd go in, I'd have my head down. But I didn't want to look around. I didn't want to see what, what was going on. I knew what was going on, but I didn't want to see it. I prayed one day. I said, Lord God, I don't think this is what you've got for me. I don't think you want me in here. I don't think this is my calling. I said, if you could, could you please remove me from this job? About a week later, I walked into the office. The owner said, Bill, can I talk to you just a second? I said, well, sure. And he said, I hate to do this because you're, you're such a good helper. But things are slowed down. You were one of the last ones we hired. I've got to let some people go, and I'm going to have to let you go. Before I realized it, I sat there. I said, praise the Lord. They looked at me like, what is your deal? You know, Jesus answered my prayer. He got me out of it. He put me in a job where I was working with people. He, he put me in a job working for an oxygen company. I was going to people's houses, setting them up on medical oxygen. People that, that were in a lot of physical problems, breathing and different things. I had that opportunity. I prayed with them. I talked to them about Jesus. I mean, they, I loved it. I had a number of them come to the Lord and accept the Lord. I had a number of them that I did funerals for. They didn't have a pastor. As a matter of fact, I had this one man say, Bill, when I die, I want you to do my service. I said, okay, you know, I'm no pastor. He looked at me. He said, you are my pastor. You're the one I talk to. You're the one I talk to and believe in. You're the one I want to do my funeral because I know where your heart is. See, God will answer prayer when we come to him. He removed me from some things that I had to go out into the world to do, and he put me in an environment where I could serve him. And then I left there and was able to do the same thing. I was working for an office company downtown. Now listen to this, downtown in all these office buildings. and all these, I got to talk with people. I would pray with people in the office, People are hungry whether you realize it or not for Jesus Christ. And nobody's taking it to him. Nobody's taking Jesus to these people. I had that opportunity. When I left there, I came to this church. This August, I will be pastoring here six years. And I love it because I love you. But this is the plan that God had for me that I never saw. I saw things of the world. I knew I didn't want no more of that. But I have never been so happy and so satisfied with being here. Being able to, to, to talk with y'all, to work with you, to pray with you. If you're in the hospital, it was my joy to come there and be with you. This is a calling that God put on my life. And so when we answer God's calling and we want to be a part of God's calling, it makes all the difference in the world as to how we serve Jesus.
it makes the difference of how we serve Christ. And Judas did not have this calling. He did not have this calling. You know, the opportunity was given to Judas. And just think about something. <clears throat> Judas had walked with Jesus for about three years. He'd seen so much. He saw the greatest life that was ever lived, servicing and loving people. He was there with Jesus. He saw everything that Jesus did. But yet he couldn't get that down into his spirit. He saw what Jesus did. He saw the love of Jesus. He saw the miracles of Jesus. You know, Judas was a witness to every miracle just about that Jesus did. How can you witness something like that? You see it happening, you know it's happening, and then not believe it. Not believe it. When Jesus fed the 5,000, Judas was there. He helped serve. When, Je when Judas, excuse me, when Lazarus was raised from the grave, Judas was there. He saw it. When Jesus calmed the storm on the sea, Judas was in that boat. He saw it. He saw what Christ did. How can you walk away when you're witnessing all these wonderful and precious things? Judas did. Judas did. I don't know. You know, you can't be exposed to any better evidence of having faith in what Jesus, Judas was when he walked with Jesus. He saw Jesus' faith. If that couldn't inspire you, I don't know what it takes. When you see Judas sign, I mean, Jesus signed miracles and wonders take place. How can you not believe? And again, again Judas had heard all of Jesus' teachings. He heard the Sermon on the Mount. He heard the warnings that Jesus gave the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Judas knew there was a hell to avoid and a heaven to gain. He knew all this because it was down in. He had heard Jesus preach on it. And with his own ears, Jesus had heard the greatest teachings that were ever made by Jesus Christ. With his own eyes, he saw the clearest evidence of who Jesus truly was. You cannot look at the evidence you saw and not believe that Jesus Christ was not truly the Son of God. All the things that he did, all the great words that he spoke, all the faith that, that he showed. You know, Jesus never doubted when he tried to heal somebody or when he healed them, doubted his try. But you know, Jesus always tells something to you. He says, he would heal them, and he said, Now go, and let it be according to your faith. If you believe I have touched you and you are, have been healed, you are healed. That's exactly what he told that woman with the issue of blood. If you let your, go and let it be according to your faith. How many of us have prayed and asked Jesus for a healing or for something in our life, and then you didn't believe it would happen? You have to believe. You have to have that faith. Without faith, we cannot please God. We can't please Him. 
unless we have faith in who he is and who he says he is. You know, uh, Judas saw some of the clearest evidence of who Jesus truly was, and then yet all that Judas seen and heard, he still, think about this, he knew who Jesus was, but yet he betrayed the Son of God. Judas betrayed the Son of God. we got to think about something too. When we don't believe in Christ, when we don't trust Christ, you're betraying the Son of God. We're going to have to answer. We should have that faith that passes all understanding. Even the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. In other words, what you have prayed for, you know it's going to happen. You're not doubting it, even though you don't see it. That's what faith is. You know it's going to happen. You know God's going to do it, even though you don't see it. But that's what faith is. That's faith. And that's what God says we must have in order to please Him. Even though you don't see it, put your faith and your trust in God that He is going to do it. You know, when Jesus walked this earth, Judas saw everything he did, like I said a while ago. How could you look and see the, all these things happening and then not believe? I'm going to show you just a minute what happens when Satan enters into your body. This just goes to show how deceitful the human heart can be. The Bible says a human heart is one of the most deceitful things there is. Listen to what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and is desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart is wicked. It's deceitful. That was one of Jesus' problems. His heart was wicked, it was deceitful, it was about him and nothing else. At times, you know, at times we, like I was talking about one of those people being in the church. I know there's probably times, I know I've said it and wondered about it. I don't understand how a young person who was raised in church by godly parents who deeply loved the Lord could walk away from Jesus Christ and not serve him. They knew him. They'd seen the things that he had done. They had witnessed many sermons talking about the love and the power of Christ. But yet, one day, they up and walked away. Even the parents. Can you imagine how the parents must have felt? Can you imagine how those parents must have felt? And uh, I know I've seen people leave and wondered. It just, you know, we think, where did we go wrong? What more could we have done? Did we fail in our teachings? What about Sunday school class? Do you ever wonder, am I getting through to the people? Are they understanding what I'm saying. 
if you're not a teacher you, or a preacher, either one, you don't know how much work and study goes into preparing a lesson on sermon. You can ask Linda. As many times I go downstairs in my office, she might not see me for five or six hours. I don't come back up. I'm studying. I'm reading. I'm trying to get God's word down on the inside of me. Lord, what do you want me to do? How can I reach the people? Lord, I want them to love you as I love you. I want them to know you as I know you. Give me, oh God, God, the words to speak that will get into the heart, that they can feel you. You know, that is something right there. When, when Christ enters into your spirit to bless you, you cannot help but feel his presence. You can't help but feel it. You know he's there. You know something is happening. Don't fight. Let Christ work in you. He's the only one that can truly change you. I could sit up here and preach and preach and preach. And Christ can say one word and totally change everybody. He wants to enter each one of us. Judas did not have the right heart. Like I said, what Judas was there for was about himself. He had a desperately wicked heart, just like what it said over in Jeremiah. You know, Judas made a terrible choice. Remember, Judas made a commitment to Christ to walk with him. Then he chose to go the way of the world. He walked away from Christ. He made a terrible, terrible choice in what he did. He didn't realize where this choice was going to lead him. Sometimes we don't realize where the choices we make will lead us. In the Bible, we read where Satan made an all-out assault on the soul of Judas. Just as he does every single one of us that says yes to Christ to come into our life. I've said this, and I mean it because most of us will think, well, I'll accept Christ. All my problems and all my troubles will be over. Let me tell you something that's just starting. Satan is relentless. He does not want you serving Jesus Christ. He does not want you to be in this church. He doesn't want you to be in any church. He does not want you to hear the word of God because he's saying that one word could change their life. I hope one day God will give me that one word that will change lives, that will turn somebody to him for all eternity. Whether y'all realize it or not, I pray for each and every one of you because I love you. I want the very best for you. I want God to touch your lives. I want God to bless you. 
I want you to feel the presence of God in your life. When you walk into these doors, I want you to feel the presence of God. I want you to say, God is here. You know, in the Old Testament, it's talking about when, whenever God, when God and Moses had a meeting. And, God, and Moses was in the very presence of God. I prayed this. But when Moses left the presence of God and went back to the tabernacle, he had, Moses, had such a glow on him that he had to wear a face shield because of the power. They said that people would walk up to him and that glow, they'd just fall out. They couldn't even stand <coughs> because the presence of God was so strong on Moses. It said the priest come in to preach. It said the presence of God was so strong they could not even stand up to preach. Now that's the presence of God we should all pray would enter in. No. Judas made a terrible choice. And really, like I said, really there's nothing unique about what Judas went through. Every single one of you have gone through it. And you're, some of you are going through it right now. Satan is coming against you. He don't want you in here. He don't want you serving God. He's going to do everything he can to turn you away from God. That's one of his jobs. That's what he wants to do. He don't love you. He don't care a thing in the world about you. But he knows that you are the only way that he can get to God because of God's love for you. That's why he hurts God, tries to hurt God. It's through you because of God's love for you. Here in Luke 22, 3-4, it says, Then Satan entered into Judas. He went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers on how he might betray Jesus. So after Satan entered into him, then he went before the priests and all that, and they were going to give him the silver, 30 pieces of silver, to betray Jesus. See, Judas was only after the money. That's all he cared about. Matter of fact, he was the treasurer for the disciples, and he was even stealing out of the bag from Jesus and the disciples. The Bible tells us this. Jesus was not an honest person. His heart was really not for Christ. It was for what he could do and what he could get. And uh, Jesus' heart was not right. Jesus' heart was full of evil. And it was about what Je Judas could get for himself that he was interested in. And then look here at John 13, 2. It says, And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas to betray Jesus. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas to betray Jesus. It was already in there. Satan entered in to Judas's life. And then here in John 13, 27, it says, Satan had now entered into Jesus, I mean, entered into Judas. And he says, and after the salt, or after supper, Satan entered into Judas. And then said Jesus unto, unto Judas, 
what you do, do quickly. See, it was after the Last Supper that Judas went out and betrayed Jesus. He went out there and showed the Roman soldiers who Jesus was so they could capture him and take him. Satan had entered into him. Judas's whole life at that point had changed. He would never, ever again be the same. He was doomed. Even as clear as the Bible is about Satan's activity has led many people to exclaim, well, poor Judas, he didn't have a chance. Satan entered into him, and what could he do about that? But they overlooked the fact that Judas had opened the door to Satan. Judas had opened the door to Satan. He let Satan in. Well, how do you let Satan in? How do you open the door to Satan? Judas, like I said a while ago, he had been stealing money from Jesus and the disciples, and when he kept that sin a secret... And then confess it. That's when Satan entered into him. Then Jesus made a deal with the chief priests. And then he sat down at the Lord's table to have communion with him. And even though he had a known sin that he would not confess, Satan entered even further into his life. See, whether you realize it or not, unconfessed sin in your life always opens a door for Satan. It opens a door. Unconfessed sin gives Satan the opportunity to enter into your life. You leave that door cracked, <coughs> Satan gets his foot in it. Then he gets his whole body in it, and then he walks in. We open the door to let him in. <coughs> And whether you realize it or not, Satan only has access to our life when we open up the door and let him in. Until we let him in, he does not have access to your life because the Holy Spirit keeps him out. When you bypass the Holy Spirit, open up that door through unconfessed sin or whatever's going on in your life and not confess it, you're keeping it a secret, you're inviting Satan in to do whatever he wants to do. That's what Judas did. And don't believe me, Satan will take advantage of it. He will come in. That's the opportunity he is looking for. In this day and time, we all know it. There are many people right now that are leaving and walking away from the church. They want the world. They want what the world has got to offer. They say it's more fun out in the world. The world can offer a lot of things that seem like fun, but yet it's things that's going to send you to hell. We don't think about it right now. It's, I, I read a story one time. It said that if our sins were paid for right then and there when they happened, we would be very careful about what we did. If it, if, if it was paid for right then and there, as soon as you sinned, you paid for it. 
Many of us, after we went through a few things, we'd never sin again. We'd never sin again. This story of Judas and how Satan entered into him and what, what let Satan enter in, unconfessed sin and so forth. Anything really that goes against Christ that we don't confess, that's a sin in our life, we need to get rid of it. Because as long as you harbor that sin in there, you don't confess it, you hold on to it, you're leaving that door cracked and Satan will come in. Because we read this story Jesus, it should warn us to guard your heart. To guard your heart. And don't let sin live inside of you. If there's anything there, confess it. Get rid of it. Lord God, I've got this in me. I don't know. I'm sorry it happened. Please forgive me and remove this sin. I don't want to carry this around. It's too heavy. Do you realize how heavy sin is? I talked to a man one time. He said, my life was so weighted down with sin. He said, I, he said, I was miserable. I couldn't even hardly get around. He said, but the moment I confessed it, and Christ took that off of me, he said, it was like the heaviest weight in the world lifted off of me. He said, I did not realize that sin was so heavy until it was gone, and I wasn't carrying it any longer. That's what sin will do. We have to get rid of it. We have to get rid of it. I think finally this story of Judas should remind us that nothing good can come to our lives by walking away from Jesus. It's going to be turmoil and disaster, sin upon sin. It's going to be so many things that's going to happen in our life when Jesus is not there. And that's what many people think they're going to You know, I've heard people say, and it just nearly makes you sick. They say, boy, I can't wait to die and go to hell where we'll just party, party, party. Well, they do not realize what they are saying. There will be no partying. There's not going to be nothing but misery and pain, and you're going to be burning. They don't realize it. They think, man, I get into hell... It's just going to be one big party after another. It's going to be one of the most miserable places they've ever been. It'll be the most miserable place they've ever been. But like I said, think before you leave that door open. The Satan will enter. He will come in. And the thing about it, when he comes in, he don't even knock. He just barges in. You know, before Jesus comes into your heart, do you realize he comes and he knocks, waiting for you to invite him to come into your life? Satan don't even wait for you to invite him. He just barges in. He's going to do it every opportunity that he can. I'm going to ask the band to come up if they will. If you've had things bothering you, like you feel like, Lord, I need a closer walk. I'm not where I, I don't feel like I'm where I should be. We have altars up here. Come let Jesus, come talk to him. Let him come into your life. Let him make those changes that you need. He's ready to do that. And he's the only one that can do it. So as, as, as this band plays and sings...
I'm going to invite you to come down. I'm going to invite you to the altar. I'll be down front if you'd just like to have a prayer. Prayer will work miracles if you truly believe. That's what it's going to take. You have to truly believe. If you can really believe that Christ loves you, you'll see your life change tremendous. So I'm going to ask the band, if they would, to pray. If you need to come down, please come down.